Hey, good morning, Gretna family. It's Pastor Rob. This is a picture of Desmond Doss. Desmond was a highly decorated war veteran. He won two bronze stars and was even awarded the Medal of Honor during the war itself. He's it's a very rare honor in our military period, let alone during an actual conflict. Desmond was born in February of 1919, and he had the kind of childhood that most kids should not have. In fact, no child should have. It was marked by um, alcohol and violence and so much so that there's even one event, and you can read about it in other places, there's one event that caused him to say, I will never ever pick up a gun. I will never touch a gun. And it's a commitment that he stayed with. He endured through his entire life. Which leaves you wondering, how do you become a soldier that wins the Medal of Honor and two bronze stars and never touch a gun or harm another person? Well, Desmond Doss enlisted in, in the military when World War II spawned. And when he did so, he, he enlisted as a conscientious objector. That means he, he said, look, I, I don't agree with killing people to get what needs to be done done. That's not me. I'm not going to do that. But but I, I still want to help. I, I recognize that there is a great evil in the world and I need to go help where I can. I'm just not going to shoot anybody. Now, that could be a bit of a challenge, right? <laughs> Having someone unwilling to pick up a gun on the battlefield. And so the army, quite frankly, tried to dissuade him from, from doing it. They let him work in, in some shipyards for a while at Newport News, Virginia. And, and then when he said, no, 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 I want to go overseas and I want to be a medic. I want to train to be a medic. The, the first group they assigned him to instead was the Rifle Corps, which was clearly an effort to get him to leave the military. But he stood, he stood his ground and said, no, I can make a difference. No, I need to enter this battle. I'm being called to this. I need to do this do this because you see Doss was a man of faith and he believed that this is where he was being called to be. Well ultimately he fought his way through all the paperwork and the red tape and they they chose to say okay. They relented and said okay we'll train you to be a medic and they sent him off to the Asian Pacific Theater. They sent him off to the fight with Japan. Well Doss went overseas and, and one story in particular that was later turned into a movie was called Hacksaw Ridge and it's, he was played by uh, Andrew Garfield in that movie. Doss it was this medic who as the Americans landed on the island of Okinawa and, and moved up towards the Maeda Plateau, this, this area atop, atop of a cliff, they slowly climbed up these cliffs to get to the plateau for the fight. And the Japanese, they waited. They waited until every American was on top of the plateau with cliffs behind them. You don't get back down cliffs quickly, at least not in a good way. And so they knew they could have no place to run. And it's called Hacksaw Ridge because, well, quite frankly, many, many lives were lost that day as they were caught in the crossfire. Well, Doss was a medic and he moved from person to person, putting on tourniquets and stopping bleeding and picking people up and consoling them and dragging them to safety. In fact, he dragged that day himself, dragged over 75 men and slowly lowered them down over that cliff so that they could get onto a boat and get out to sea. And he did this with bullets flying past him. And he did this over 12 
hours. He would later say that all he needed that day was not a gun. All he needed that day was his faith in God and his Bible. He really believed that God had protected him that day and that God had called him to that time and that place to enter that battle and to endure. Now you can say what you want, but Japanese soldiers who were there that day who were firing on this group would later say that multiple times they had this guy, this medic who was running from person to person in their sights on multiple occasions and every time they went to pull the trigger, the gun jammed. Now, do the math on this one. I'm pretty sure <laughs> Doss was probably right that God was there to protect him in the midst of that battle. And the thing is, he could have chosen to avoid it. Conscientious objector status would have given him the option to avoid it completely. In fact, the army even tried to dissuade him from doing that, but instead, he chose to enter the battle and in doing so, saved countless lives. As we enter this next week of our story in the book of Hebrews, we're gonna be in Hebrews chapter 12 today. If you watched with us last week online, uh, you heard us talk about chapter 11. It was kind of this, this list where the author of Hebrews writes up this list of our faith heroes. He lists Abel and Enoch and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Sarah. And in verse 32 of chapter 11 says, look, there's more people here than I could possibly even begin to name. I don't have time to name everybody. The point being, he listed these heroes of the faith, these people who were imperfect, that were human, that were at times scared, that did things that they maybe shouldn't have done, but their faith carried them through. A faith that was more than a state of believing, but also an activity of being faithful, of trusting in God's provision and obeying his call to the mission, following him. This week, the author of Hebrews calls God's people to that same standard. People of the present time as he's writing them in Hebrews, writing to them in Hebrews, and the, to us as well as his people. So if you would, open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to read verses 1 through 3 today. I'm going to read out of the CSB. It says, Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For considering him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, so that you won't grow weary and give up. The author wants us to know, first of all, that, that this path, this race that we also are intended to run has also been run and successfully completed by others. They have laid out the path first by these imperfect heroes, right? The ones that dropped the ball sometimes, sometimes did things they shouldn't have done, but ultimately walked a life that was marked by faithfulness, a pursuit of God, even despite their imperfections and almost he carries them through their imperfections and makes it turn out for good sometimes, which is mind-boggling the way God does that. And by faith, they made it through. By living faithfully, they made it through to glory. And hear that. They made it 
not by avoiding God's fight, but by joining him in the fight. I think the, the author of Hebrews calls this a race. I think sometimes it can feel far much more like a fight, like a battle, like we've been thrust in following God, like we've been thrust onto this spiritual battlefield. And the, the thing is, that's true. Now, God provides us with the means to get through this. Remember, Doss said all he needed was faith in his Bible. Well, God provides those things. He also provides the shielding that comes from forgiveness, knowing that even if we mess up, he will still lift us back up because we are walking in faith toward him. He sees that as fine. It's okay to mess up. The important part is, is your heart in the right place? Are you trying? He also offers us an eternal safety, right? It's guaranteed that if we just walk faithfully with him, regardless of what we're enduring right now, the smoke will clear, the battle will be over, the race will be finished, and our safety, the very safety of our soul is guaranteed with him. He also arms us with the spirit to guide us during the battle, to tell us where to go and what to do if only we are willing to listen. Sometimes we struggle with those things, but make no mistake, God did not throw us into a spiritual battle and leave us unarmed. He has given us the tools we need to endure and to make a difference. Again, the author uses this analogy of a race, but I think a battle is closer. He wants us to know though, regardless, is that the provisions that God has given us are for the sake of the battle. They're for the sake of enduring through the race. They're not a means of excusing us from it or making it easy to get through it. Endurance is still required. Two weeks after Hacksaw Ridge, Doss found himself in another battle. He found himself in a trench trying to tend to the wounded. Again, wrapping tourniquets, stopping bleeding, trying to make people comfortable and probably watching some die along the way. And while he was in the trench, a grenade fell into that trench and he tried to kick it away but failed and and when it went off it threw shrapnel through the people he was caring for and him he was injured incredibly badly but Doss chose to do something he chose to patch himself up as best he could and to continue to work as best he could even while he was still hurting on top of that as he was working again, having taken the shrapnel, a sniper shot him in the left arm and completely shattered his left arm. Now, that would have been enough to make most of us just stop right there, but Doss continued. In fact, once help was able to come to them and to carry them off, he was placed into a stretcher. He was tired from exhaustion and pain and hurt and, and just being injured. and. As they're carrying him away in a stretcher, Doss, out of the corner of his eye, sees another soldier laying on the ground who's in worse shape than him, and he rolls himself off the stretcher, rolls himself off the stretcher, surrenders it to the man, and then actually starts patching him up as they're going, as they're walking away. Isn't that mind-boggling to think that he would do that? The author of Hebrews here refers to this as the race that lies before us. 
that word race, the word agon, is, is actually can also be translated as struggle or fight. It's the struggle or the fight that lies before us. The writer of Hebrews knows that the people of God are going through a lot in this moment, and they can feel like they've taken one hit after the other. And he's saying, look, I know it's a struggle. I know it's a fight, but we have to endure. This is very much a picture of a marathon and not a sprint. It's a 12-hour hour battle, if we were to refer it back to DOS, and not just a momentary challenge. It is an ongoing set of challenges and difficulties because the world is a broken and fallen place. The writer knows that, and God knows that. He lists some things, though, that make the race harder. First, he says the hindrances, right? The hindrances are those, those extra baggage that we carry with us. It would be bad if you're running a race, right, to carry an extra baggage. Can you imagine trying to run and ra run a race in sweatpants and a sweatshirt and a hoodie, right, or a hoodie and, and boot heavy boots? You're probably not going to get very far, and you're definitely not going to be very fast. In fact, this concept of heavy clothes was such a concern in the first century that runners, if they were going to run a race in a stadium before hundreds or even thousands of people, they would enter the stadium in these long, flowing, colorful robes, and then right before the race started, they would throw off the robes and run darn near naked as fast as they could because they believed that any weight they could get off them would allow them to move more quickly. Now, um, this is not an advocate, advocation of running naked anywhere. We're not, I don't want to, no streaking. That's not what we're going for here. But we are saying that there are things that can hold us back, that can hinder us, that have a purpose and a place and a time, right? Those runners that had a, the, the robe had a purpose, right? As you're preparing for the race, you're getting ready to race. But, but there are things that we carry with us sometimes that we do not need as we're running this race, as we're fighting through this battle, trying to endure one what feels like one shot after another. There are things that sometimes there are things that can be inherently good. It might be a friendship with someone who is maybe a, a wonderful person or a person in need, but is giving you advice that has nothing to do with where God would have you go. It's great to have them as a friend, but there's a difference between having somebody as a friend and allowing them to be yoked to you, to try to pull along in this battle of life with you and let them speak into your life. It could be that. It could be an association that you have with a political group or, or a club that you put all of your time and energy into and not the things of God. It could be an event or a place or a habit. It could be a pleasure or a form of entertainment. It's those things that are inherently not bad all on their own. But the question we have to ask ourselves is, are those other pursuits in my life hindering my ability to run the race that God has laid out before me? The second thing he talks about is sin, sin that ensnares. Sin's a powerful thing. It takes advantage of the parts of our flesh that are unredeemed. That's a term John MacArthur uses, um, the, the notion that we are not complete works in Christ yet. There's, there is a flaw within us that we are constantly trying to work on and build. And sin has this way of kind of latching on to those unredeemed parts of our heart, soul, and mind and twisting us away from the things of God and quite frankly, wearing us out so we can't endure. Sins also, frankly, unfortunately, come from within. Uh, uh, Jesus makes it clear that, that darkness is what 
comes from out of a man, not or uncleanness is what comes out of a man, not what he ingests. It's it's true that we are not perfect and that sometimes our own sins, well, are our own sins. They came from within us. Sometimes sin has power just because we don't recognize it. It's working in our lives and we're unable to see it. We can see it in other people, but we struggle to see it in ourselves. The context here, though, in this letter is one sin in particular. It's the sin of faithlessness. Faithlessness that might show up as a a nagging doubt that just kind of irritates you in your pursuit or in your faith constantly. Is this really what I need to be doing? Is Is God really who he says he is? Did he really send the Savior? It, it might be something that causes us this, this lingering disbelief in the, the character of God. Maybe you feel like God has let you down somewhere and you're not willing to let go of those bag, that baggage, that hindrance, that sin that, that ensnares you, a faithlessness of not trusting in who God is. It's hard to get over those things sometimes if you've been through a lot. Remember, Doss, who had an instance in his childhood that caused him to never pick up a gun again, we have a difficulty sometimes getting past things that have occurred previously in our lives, and that can even occur in our faith. This faithlessness could manifest itself as a, a challenge. If you see a challenge that's plunked in the middle of your race and that makes it impossible to, to finish, or at least it feels like it's impossible to finish, it can tempt us to quit, to give up. It keeps us from running the race. It keeps us from entering the battlefield and it keeps us from being available to save others because that is part of our goal. In verse three, he was really clear. In verse three of our text, he says, uh, for consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself so that you won't grow weary and give up. The, the, the author here admonishes us that, that endurance requires both to be driven by faith, but to be drawn, drawn by the hope of Jesus Christ. And so he went through everything he went through, not only to cleanse us of our sins, but also to give us a beacon of light, a beacon of hope to lean into, to recognize that he was willing to go all the way for us. That's designed to help us to keep pressing on, to keep our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, and I love that word, perfecter of our faith. Other, word, other translations use different words, but that word pioneer just, get, just creates this picture of me of Jesus kind of being the first into a new land and hacking his way through the bushes, making the path clear, making the road straight, setting aside all of the challenges and dangers that come our way for our souls. Because remember, there's a difference between the things that would threaten our body and the things that would threaten our soul. And Jesus is far more concerned about the other one, because the second one, the soul, because that's the one that lasts forever. And that's the one that makes us more than just a collection of cells. This is who we are and who we are designed to be in him. But I get this picture of him being this pioneer, this explorer who's moving through lands that we would never be able to get through on our own. Watching Jesus allows us to live with joy, knowing what lies ahead of us. Watching Jesus, keeping our eyes on him, reminds us that this is a battle, but also that he is leading the way. Keeping our eyes on Jesus frees us from hindrances and snares, those things that would weigh us down and, and 
and hurt us along the way to keep us from finishing our race. And watching, watching Jesus provides us with the endurance that we need to finish the race. If you are finding yourself in a time in your faith walk, maybe it's been a, a long period of time or just a moment in time where you feel like you're struggling to endure, you're struggling to make it through, you're struggling to even want to think about entering the battle because it's just too scary you're, and, and you feel like your race is over. The author of Hebrews wrote this by the direction of God, he wrote this to remind them and remind us that your race isn't over, that there is no obstacle that Jesus can't remove, that there is no problem that Jesus can't resolve. Our job is to be faithful. And if you're struggling with that, we would love to help you return to that, to know a faithfulness that will allow you to endure this race because sometimes this world can feel very much like you're caught in the crossfire of a battle that you cannot win on your own. Hint, you can. You can't. But almost like Doss, with your faith and your Bible, and I would say, and your Savior, Jesus Christ, leading the way, you can. If you need help finding that, let us know. We want to walk with you. We want to help you. We want to help you see and be able to endure in this race and make a difference in the world on the mission that God has you on, on the road that he has laid out before you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and he be gracious to you. May he grant you favor and give you peace. God bless.